Welcome to the Winners and Losers podcast for the U.S. Olympic Marathon Trials. My name is Michael Doyle, and I am joined, as always, by uh, my curmudgeon in crime, John LaFranco. How are we doing this fine Sunday evening, John? Doing doing great. <laughs> I uh, cracked the seal on the Cabana Cirque season, so that's for, done. So for all you non- <laughs> uh hardened canadians uh listening cabanasuk is like uh uh like a maple syrup thing in quebec right yeah yeah it's like the maple syrup farm and you go and it's like a they, i was telling my son there's no menu they just keep bringing you food and I, <laughs> he's I like sign me up this is awesome uh he he he's he didn't really like too much of the stuff I, i'll be honest i'm not a big fan of a lot of the stuff like pea soup Nah. Oh, come the on. The beans? Nah. I mean, pancakes, yes, of course. Uh, you know, and potatoes and eggs, yes. Um, they had some meatballs. That's all right. They had a torchera that was really dry. Not a fan. Pork rinds? Nah. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> bacon, if there's bacon. But the bacon was all mixed in with pork rinds. And I'm like, well, what if I get a pork rind? I don't want that. Um, so, you know. But most um, importantly, they pour a shitload of maple syrup onto snow, and then you get to like roll yeah, oh, it up yeah, and yeah. eat it. Yeah, that's after. That's yeah. the best part. That's yeah, it's like part. I don't know why they just don't skip right to that and you just get to do that for an hour. Well, you know they ha- in I mean in Montreal they have those just like on street corners. Oh really? And, yeah, in in uh, in my neighborhood, anyways, there's like a, usually like a thing and like around this time of year, and yeah. So we just got way off topic, right off top. <laughs> We're talking about the U.S. Olympic trials in Atlanta, Georgia, what's, and we like immediately go anything, in. Yeah. Anything new? Anything going on since we last spoke? Yeah, we can just like have a little chit chat here. I can tell you all about like my own uh, Toronto shit that's going on. Um, yeah, so the Olympic trials was uh, Saturday afternoon in Atlanta. Uh, really compelling races, men's and women's races. Uh, biggest Olympic trials ever for america and yeah. with and we just took a look here and it was uh final tally was 243 and 460 uh 243 um, male runners 206 uh, sorry 465 women starting the race or uh qualified to start the race and uh interestingly 175 men finished and 390 women finished so Totally compelling event, like unlike any other event really around the world uh, on the marathoning calendar uh, every four years. Um, and this one in particular was quite unusual. Lots of uh, uh, upsets and underdog, interesting uh, underdog performances uh, on both sides. So we'll, we'll break that down a little bit. Obviously, the format of this is... John and I talk winners who we thought uh, had a banner day or had a lot of success, who or what, because it's not just people. We talk about brands and cities and you know anything else that sort of falls under the, the general umbrella of something that could have success out of this event. And then who you know tried and lost uh, is a nice way of saying it. So uh, we'll start with the uh, the positive end of things here, John. Let's get into. We'll do three and three. We'll do three winners, three losers each. I think there will be some overlap. That's my suspicion, at least. 
Um, uh, let's start with your winners. Who's your, who's your, uh, who's your top dog? Who's your first big winner today? Um, all right, I'll go with the obvious one. Um, and kind of a bit of a, I don't know if it's a hot take, but just Galen Rupp. Um, and I like, I like Galen Rupp in this, in this move. I don't know. I, I, I don't, you know, uh, obviously condone any of the doping that he's never tested positive for, but <laughs> we're pretty sure oh. that he's done. Right. Easy now. We're um, going to get a lawsuit here. What? I, I know. I think I worded it correctly. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, except that bad. last part, but there were signs, there were signs, um, on the course Rupp is a drug cheat. Like were there really? Made, oh, people made it. signs and wow. brought them and, you know, um, I didn't, I don't know if there were any Jordan Hesse as a drug cheat signs, but didn't really matter, I guess in her case. Mm. Um, but no, I, I thought that just, I just thought that Rupp, you know, ran a good race. And I think, I don't know if we talked to winners and losers about it, but I remember talking to you about, you know, Chicago and, um, like, you know, it sort of seemed like he, he wimped out in a way, you know, just like that was right after the whole cells or thing happened. And it was like, Oh, this is going to be hard for them and stuff. And then, you know, I think, I don't know if he started and didn't finish or just didn't start, but both he and Hesse just kind of bombed Chicago. Right. Yeah. Um, but he did not bomb. He he was so smart, and I was just looking at the the course profile. Like, you know, he ran a really smart tactical race. Like he mo ferreted it out there. He waited until that hard hard hill at twenty one miles, and I looked at the splits, and he didn't slow down. And everyone else dropped thirty seconds a mile yeah. in that mile. So he picked his spot, and he just crushed the field. And you gotta love it, like that kind of race awareness and execution to an extent you know is not dopable if i could say that like it doesn't matter if he's doped or not it's still a smart move and i mean maybe the ability to do that can be chemically enhanced um although from what i understand like the kind of things that they were doing in that group were like more about enhancing recovery so I don't know. It's it's all a very sort of twisted thing with him and everything. But I, I just like the way that he executed the race, you know. So good for him there. Yeah, I would say that I I was super impressed by the performance as well. I am I am no fan of Galen Rupp. I find him uh, a one dimensional, super boring individual who's probably probably deeply involved in um, a terrible scandal in our sport that I think has probably actually been somewhat underreported, even though there's been a lot of, a lot of fire in the last few months with Alberto Salazar's uh, suspension. But, you know, Rupp is basically kind of like kind of got off scot-free in all of this. And may, perhaps we'll find out over time that he was merely a, a victim of, a controlling and abusive coach who was his coach since he was in high school. So there's obviously a lot of influence there. <laughs> where, where have we heard that before? Yeah, I know, but like maybe that's the case. I don't know. I don't it's, know. No. We'll find out in time, but, or maybe we'll yeah. never find out, um, which is no. the kind but of disappointing it, thing of the sport. Yeah. But, but like his boring personality, it does lend itself well to high performance sport in a way. You're you right. Know. I mean, he's like the Mike Trout of uh, of running, right? Like, he's just like, <laughs> could you? I mean, you could pick him out in a in a in a in a crowd because he's a really distinctive does, looking character. He sort of looks like Peter Pan, but like, does Mike Trout play for the Astros though? No, he doesn't. No, no. Um, <laughs> uh, well, Galen Rupp would fit really well with the Astros, but um, 
Yeah, I, I think he, he, he ran like the, like, I, he ran much better than I thought he would. I thought he would get yeah. in the top three, but I kind of had, mm-hmm. had him pegged for being a, Kind of limping across the finish line, um, like a la Shalane Flanagan in 2016 styles, right? Where like Mm. kind of running out of gas, had some previous injury issues and sort of like the talent alone kind of gets you three quarters of the way there. But like, yeah, he he smoked it. I mean, he was in total control. Um, The race for me kind of felt a little bit like Boston Marathon-esque, like really uh, unusual profile course, very challenging. Mm and not obviously the most ideal weather conditions. And I think Mm -hmm. it kind of battered and beat people up. And then the last 10 K, I mean, he totally owned it. Right. So yeah. uh, Yeah. He's definitely a winner. Although I didn't, I didn't select him as one of my winners. My, my first winner is um, uh, the first cheat of the evening is like a, it's a way of like shoehorning in two winners. Um, are uh, uh, the pair of underdogs that both came in second place and kind of kind of blew the minds of those uh, you know running nerds that were following this very closely, uh, Molly Seidel and um, uh, why am I blanking? Jacob Riley. Jacob Riley. Oh my god! Yeah. So that's how much of an underdog he is. I couldn't remember his name. Uh, yeah, Jacob Riley and. Like they they both ran just I'm mean, very different races like Molly Seidel's race was like really like a real clean cleanly executed race where she sat in the league group mm-hmm. and a big it was a big pack for you know two thirds of mm-hmm. the race or so and it's so huge like big like fifty women yeah yeah like and just yeah it was like attrition like just just kept going and then just like five or people would fall off and then another like two or three and another two or three. It was down to like 12 and then it was down to five and she was just there. She just kept being in that group. And she made a lot of really smart, like microscopic decisions along the way. And which shows kind of like that marathoning brain. Right. And she's like, mm-hmm. she's got the pedigree. She's in an you know, NCAA cross country champion. So she's, you know, very tough. Uh, um, obviously as was noted on the broadcast has had some, had some issues over the years. Um, and this was her debut marathon, which is, bananas that you can execute such a beautifully run race and she didn't even really fade in the last few kilometers where you like you know you know you've got i mean she had to know that like the gap was significant and she would have a top three spot and she still kind of dug in for the last few k and battled away so yeah she's an interesting figure and i think somebody she's only 25 years old so and trains in um i'm sure she's done some training elsewhere but but does uh is based in Boston, which is kind of an odd spot, even though I know the the great um history mm. of distance running there, of marathon running. But uh interesting figure, somebody interesting watch. And for Jacob Riley, I mean like that is I tweeted out uh after the race, like that was a very Des Linden esque performance by him. Like yeah, I um, thought that too. Patient, and then I thought, and then I thought she was going to do it, and then she didn't pull it off. She didn't quite have the. She didn't but quite have the legs exactly, to pull it off. Yeah, like I was looking at the the result or like the the splits, you know, with like a few miles to go, and I was kind of looking, and I, I saw his splits, and I was like, "This guy's going to make it." Yeah, like he's just clipping people off, just you know, moving up, and and because, yeah, it looked like you know that top group. There were a couple guys that were kind of kind of iffy, so yeah. 
And special mention to someone who's not an underdog, but was in this context, is uh, Abdi, who came in Abdi. third. And it's like fifth Olympics. and He's older than me. He's 43 <laughs> years old. And like he was surging on the hills. Like it was totally, like he ran a really brilliant second half where he knew he had to smoke out these other guys who had way faster leg speed. And he's like, I'm not going to beat, although he did. He's like, I'm mm. not, he's thinking to himself, I'm not going to beat Leonard career in a, you know, uh, in a, in a in a last in a one mile repeat at the end of a marathon, so he instead put in these big surges in the uh, the marathon hill and the in the hills. So impressive by him. So who's your second? Uh, who's your second uh, big winner today? Um, okay, so again, I'll be the sort of boring obvious one with um, with uh, Alphine, who was the uh, the women's winner, Alphine Tuliamuk. So. I, I, she won, obviously, but um, I've met her a couple times, and she's a super nice person. I met her in, um, she was part of the, there's like a NACAC, which is like the North American and Central American and Caribbean uh, Road Race Championship. It was like a 10K in Puerto Rico. Right, yeah, and, the, the, it, was like, it was called like the world's greatest 10K, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. World's, it's because it's like super flat on the beach or whatever, right. but anyway not on the beach, but on the road. But anyway, um, yeah, she was there and, you know, we got to like hang out a bit and she's just like really nice and, and cool. And, um, Mel, the athlete that I coach has been to, um, Arizona and trained there and she's there and they got to know each other and she's like really nice. And then, so we were in Rotterdam and only like elite, like food room or whatever rating. And, um, Ben Bruce, who's Stephanie Bruce's husband, he was there as Alphine's pacer in Rotterdam, and Alphine's giving him crap for not carb loading enough. She's like, "You gotta eat more. You gotta eat more. You gotta get me through this." So I just thought that was kind of a funny story that uh, about about her and like, yeah, it's you know, she's just a really nice person. And so, not to compare or whatever, but to sort of contrast, I guess, with the 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 men's winner, like is she seems like you know a regular nice person and very outgoing and chatty and stuff which is fun so i guess you know like it takes all kinds you don't have to be a, a robot to win these things um and uh yeah it's cool it's exciting for her and also i think um you know she's of kenyan origin um came for school and stuff and then stuck around and became american so you know that's good i think there there are people out there who don't like this i mean i think in the states it's it's more it happens more maybe and you know in canada it's always like oh like you know the american or whatever like is coming here just so they can make our team and stuff but like i don't know i don't know i'm not big on borders and stuff like that anyways like you can wherever you go and you live like that's your country so you should be able to represent your country so i'm i'm all for the naturalized uh, citizens making teams that's awesome Speaking of naturalized citizens making teams, my uh, second big winner is Sally Kipiego, who, similar route, who, uh, Kenyan origin, um, and went to Texas Tech and has settled in the U.S., uh, trains for, trains in Oregon, trains with the, um, uh, the Oregon Track Club, right? I think. Um, hmm. she's wearing, a, an OTC, uh, singlet, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and interestingly enough, the only female athlete to make the team that is, was wearing the, the Nike shoe, uh, which we'll talk about in a second and probably a great deal more. Uh, and she's somebody who was an 
a superlative track runner. She's won um, she's won an Olympic silver medal in the ten thousand meters, a world championship medal, uh, silver medal in the ten thousand meters. So she's a of a very high pedigree internationally, and um, but at the same time had had some struggles in the marathon. She um, she I think her PB or is is. 228 low uh, 22801 in New York from a few years ago from 2016 so she's had some struggles mm-hmm. nailing the marathon marathon down ran 228 high third place i mean didn't look super strong in the last 10k but had done just enough to create that gap and was able to hold off uh, de- a charging des linden so mm-hmm. uh really impressive that she was able to do that and i think will have uh you know going into the olympics will uh you know having that experience a previous international experience could do pretty well so uh that's uh my number two which who's your number three so i'll move away from the obvious humans and go to the obvious corporation Ah, um so nike so i love this i i i love that they um somehow managed to uh produce or find or whatever like uh, several hundred of these quote-unquote prototypes uh just as soon as the world athletics said that the prototype alpha flies were legal so that's awesome and then that they just said you know what anyone who qualified you get this shoe um which is such a power move right because like we talked about last time like um the you know, if you're a sponsored athlete of a different company and you, you, you know, it just, I mean, it just makes you question it, right? It makes you wonder like, oh, am I, am I leaving something on the table? Like, what do I do? Um, and, and for all the people who, you know, are not making the Olympics, but they showed up there and they ran the race, like it's a cool thing and they're obviously going to grab it and run in it, you know? Um, so I think, so what I wanted to say about this though, was that mm. people get all fussy britches about this stuff but fussy like britches i like that. fussy britches yes yeah. exactly that and because look like this sport the sport of running is as basic competition as you can get like it's pure capitalism right like the fastest person wins and and that's it you know like it's it's a it's a whatever it's like a natural selection or I don't know, whatever it's just that. But then it seems like the people around it want to make it into communism. And like (laughs) Nike is a, is a business. They're selling shoes. They, there's no reason why they can't do this. Like they're a business, they're making business decisions and people saying that, and maybe I'm making a straw man here and there's not really people saying this, but I kind of get the impression that people are saying like, Oh, it's not fair to the other brands and stuff but like why does it need to be fair to them like we're, we have we have not set up in the sport of running you know a kind of like um the, the sort of like uh you know company or like nationalized companies or whatever with the different shoes like if Saucony can't figure it out and like too bad because you know this it you're just you're you're a business like i don't know i i just don't have any sympathy for the like oh this isn't fair crowd like if you want to run fast like you know get the right equipment like in other sports 
it's all about the equipment. And yeah, it's cool that our sport is pure and it's just running, but, but it's not, you still have to wear shoes. Like if you're really going to complain and be a purist, then take off your shoes and run barefoot. You know, see how that goes for you. Oh yeah. That, 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 that's my point on that. I, I would say that, I mean, first things first for anybody who's not been playing along, uh, at home with the, uh, <laughs> understanding of what happened over the weekend is that Nike showed up, uh, I think it was on what? Friday, Thursday or Friday, the race was on Saturday and they showed up just beforehand and like word went out and there was a tweet that got deleted. It was like, come to conference room 313 or whatever. <laughs> and then there was like a shot of like hundreds of pairs of Nike Alpha Fly, which is the new kind of quasi prototype, although I think they just launched it as well. Um, the yeah. new version of the, the Nike shoe that's uh, destroying all the records and making everyone run uh, head scratchingly fast. And they just had hundreds yeah. of pairs and was like, Anybody who's running the U.S. Olympic trials. Anyway, we don't care who you are. We don't care what brand you're sponsored by. It doesn't matter. Show up. Tell us your shoe size. Bam. You got yourself a pair of shoes. You can wear them. Uh, that's like, that's guerrilla marketing at the, like, that's the that's maybe the most impressive guerrilla marketing uh, tactic I've ever seen employed in, in running, for sure, and maybe in sport. I mean, they just dominated and there were so many people wearing the shoe. I would like to see, and I'm sure somebody will do the tally at some point, like how many people, how many people actually wore the shoe, uh, how many conversions they had. I mean, I'm sure they had people who are, mm. you know, outside shots to make the Olympics who maybe were getting a couple of dollars from, say, Under Armour or um, New Balance or uh, On Running or whatever. And they were just like, <laughs> fuck this. I'm just, I don't care about the contract. I, I'm either making this Olympics or it's, you know, I'm going to be in the waiting for the next four years. I don't care. I'm just going to put on the awful flies and see what happens. So I'd be very curious to see, uh, what the kind of the numbers are, the data is on that, on the success level of like how many people actually wore it. Um, but mm -hmm. all things said, when you look at the finishing results, um, <clears throat> in the, slots that matter which is the top three on each side they obviously had unanimous success on the men's side because all three men that mm -hmm. uh are going to the olympics were wearing the shoe were wearing the alpha fly shoe and then mm -hmm. on the women's side uh only sally kipiego was wearing the shoe and she was the third place finisher and uh, obviously uh number one went to hoka, hoka. which is a carbon plated shoe and Saucony's new Endorphin Pro was on uh, Seidel's feet in the two spot, uh, which is also a carbon plated shoe. Um, that's the competitor to the Nike shoe. So uh, my third winner of the day was the small shoe brands, was the uh, the Saucony's, the Hoka's, I suppose the New Balances, although they had a tough time with em Emily Sisson not doing uh, terribly well in the race and dropping out. Um but no, I mean, if you look, I don't know, there's, so women, it's like Hoka, Saucony, Nike, Brooks, Saucony, Hoka, Asics, Hoka, and then it does not listing anyone else for a while there on, the, on and, that side. But so I would like, say that most yeah. powerfully, that massive group of a few dozen women halfway through the race, uh, and you looked at the uh, shoes on their feet, the only woman who was wearing a pair of the Nike shoes was Sally Capiego and everyone else was wearing yeah. an ASIC shoe, a Brooks shoe, um, a new balance shoe, a Saucony shoe. So, I mean, 
That was a really surprising optic. It was a really surprising visual. Um, but um, yeah, it was, that was interesting. I don't know if it's just the investment in like the elite, the elite end of, of, uh, of sort of women's talent in the U S um, versus men. I don't know, but it was a, a fascinating uh, thing to behold. So who's your, uh, let's get into the ugly side here. Let's get into, let's get mean. Um, <laughs> let's get mean. Let's get into the, let's get, into, right. the, let's get into the meat of the exciting. order here. Um, let's go losers. Who are your, um, who are the big, right. what's first big okay. L for John? So I'm doing what you did and I'm lumping, um, but I'm lumping Jim Walmsley and Gwen Jorgensen as <laughs> Gwen, my first group of Gwen losers. Gwen Jorgensen who didn't even run? <laughs> didn't even wasn't even there so i think uh so the background being that gwen uh jorgensen was the the olympic gold medalist in the triathlon and then she decided that she was going to be the olympic gold medalist in the marathon and set about saying so and has a massive following of rabid um gwen i don't know gwen heads i don't know what they're called on gwen heads even if it's not a thing it should be a thing it should be a thing but like you know, like I get it. Like it's cool to have a good social media following, and it's good to be really positive. But you can't be delusional, and she's delusional. And I think, um, I don't know, it got swallowed up into the ether. But I, I had written uh, yeah, a, a, yeah, an article on this, um, just sort of looking at like what is actually required. It wasn't even close, and she didn't even make. I mean, time in the half marathon, but she didn't even run race that was being used to select so i mean you know do it if you're an outsider like that is uh is that the way that jim walmsley did which is from what i understand so jim walmsley is um sort of the i don't think it's self-anointed i think other people have anointed him like the best ultra trail runner in the world or something and sure yeah so everyone was like Everyone's like, oh, Jim Walmsley's going to run the trials because he ran a 104 or whatever he ran in Houston. And he's going to, sh- well, not real, all the roadrunners, like what real endurance is and all this business. And again, like, I mean, cool story. You, you, you know, 104 and a half is kind of dime a dozen in the US, right? And it's not that special. And so the thinking is, oh, but like if you go to the marathon, like he could probably just keep running right at that pace. No. Um, and to make it worse, like he actually slowed down, like when Rupp made his move, I mean, he hung around for a while. He was in the, the, the league group for halfway, but then uh, for the last five miles or six miles, like he, he bonked. So how does the ultra person bonk in a marathon? Because it's different and it's not really, you know, you can't really connect the two. And, and this is sort of the unpopular take, but because ultra running, winning ultra races, it's a weaker field. It's a smaller sport. Not as many people around the world are doing it. So it makes sense that the, you know, 22nd place finisher at the U S marathon trials would be the, you know, supposed best in the world at ultra trail running. Cause there aren't really any Kenyans doing it or Ethiopians doing it. And I'm not saying that the 21 guys who finished ahead of him would automatically beat him in a in a fifty miler or a hundred miler. No, it's a different. It's probably it's not true. Set. Probably yeah. it's it's different skill set, and and it's it's a mental thing, you know. Like, but the thing is, the mental grind required to run that long, which is, I, you know, I'm not saying that it's not impressive, but it's not 
you know, a, a, a really hard thing to do, but you don't get any, any kind of bonus, you know, in the marathon cause it doesn't go on that long, <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, it's long, but it's not that long. Um, so it's just different. And, and I think that's like, it's totally fine, you know, but I just think that, so maybe not Jim Walmsley himself. Cause I don't know. I'm sure that he was just like, Hey, I want to run a marathon. It's going to be fun. I'm going to try and try my best and see what happens. Um, but like the sort of, again, the, the online sort of chatter of like from, you know, the ultra world about how Jim Walmsley is going to like show roadrunners how it's done. Yeah. Dude got like a, a huge, uh, New York times feature and a sports mm. illustrated feature online. Um, the week, the week leading into the trials last week, which is a pretty outsized amount of attention for a guy who finishes 22nd. I mean, sure. I don't mm-hmm. think it doesn't strike me as a person who's like maybe inviting all of that. I think he's, no. I don't know. I think he's a, a very intense human being uh, sure. who does extraordinary uh, things <laughs> in terms of uh, endurance sports. Um, and, you know, I, he's a fascinating character, but you're right. Like his last few miles were pretty pedestrian. He was running like, he was kind of running like five forties. Yeah. He was running like two thirty something pace um, yeah. in the last few miles. Like he was obviously really dinged up and obviously the speed of the marathon took its toll on him. So like two fifteen is a good time. It's, solid 22nd yeah. i think he moved up a few slots i think he was like 28th or something going into 20 miles in so like all things considered he did quite well um and you know in in the trials are themselves like an ultra kind of this like war of attrition but um yeah, yeah i think that there were i definitely heard from some people that thought like you know we're kind of like oh well like what if Wamsley makes the Olympics? And I'm like, no, he's not making the fucking Olympics. Come on. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, the guy could probably train to a two twelve or something like that, but like, yeah, I don't know, whatever. But that's the thing is like the, the other thing is the training, right? So the, when people who run ultras run all the time and that's good for ultras, but for anything like marathon and below, like you need to rest more. And I don't know, again, I don't know what his training is, but, uh, you know, I think that the endurance well, carries you lot. so far. <laughs> He's doing but, a lot. It, yeah, but I mean, I don't know what he did specifically for this. Like, I don't know if, like, you know, between, like, Christmas, Christmas and now he, you know, dropped it down to, like, 100 miles a week or something. I, I don't really know. Um, but that's, I think that's kind of the thing, is, like, he, he, if you're going, if you're coming at it from that direction, you need to learn to rest. And, I mean, this is a bit of a tangent now, but, like, I was, talking to a few people about this about the ultras and like how the recovery from a hundred K race seems like you don't need that much recovery. Cause it's usually it's on a trail and you're not going that hard. So like, yeah, you're tired and banged up like right away after, but then you, you kind of feel recovered maybe sooner than you should. And you don't really get the kind of like, I don't know how to put it, but like the soul recovery or like the long-term recovery that you need. And, and so you can, you kind of burn yourself to the point where you can keep doing that stuff, but you can't really get like sharp for anything. So anyway, that's kind of my like ultra training take. Uh, so my, 
my uh, first loser. Oh, I'm the first. Is this the first one? We were going <laughs> yeah, it's on, your but, first one. Your so first basically, one. you were like shitting on people who came, like, who were kind of like foreign to, <laughs> who weren't foreign even there, to, foreign to the marathon, and were uh, who either didn't even qualify for it, or for like foreign to the marathon, i.e., triathlon or all, the ultra world, and like kind of parachuting into the marathon, thinking they were gonna own own the distance because it just seemed like, you know, like you. you pop some numbers into a calculator or you've had so much success in a quote-unquote longer quote-unquote harder event that it should just be easy but i mean Mm -hmm. i don't think that wamsley in his case was thinking that i don't have any clue what jorgensen was thinking nor do i really care so um my first loser is like the most heartbreaking quietly heartbreaking element of this race was watching uh poor leonard career 207 man from Amsterdam last fall like one of the guys who was coming in as a like a weird kind of underdog slash favorite at the same time yeah and he placed fourth and he was so close like he was like just feet and a little bit and a you know give him 200 more meters and he could have maybe caught uh Abdi but he he ended up fourth yeah, and Rupp, I don't know if you saw, like Rupp gives the high five to Abdi and Riley, and then Career comes in and he gives him a little thumbs up. Yeah, just like a, <laughs> yeah, sorry, oh, so sorry, sad. sorry, dude. Yeah. Like, what do you do? Like, you can't be like, yeah, man, way to go. Like, no, you know that this guy is like, oh, shit. Yeah, that's like, the, <laughs> like that's the fourth place sucks overall, just like generally as an experience, yeah. but fourth place when you don't, you're the first person not going to the Olympics. Yeah. And it's by three seconds. Like, yeah, he was Augustus Mayo was like forty yeah. seconds back, right? So yeah. if he was like, if he had been with Mayo, like his teammate, you know, like 30, 40 seconds back, and they were battling for fourth, and like it was already over, like, sucks. But it hurts a little less. But like when you see Abdi cross the line, and then three seconds later you cross the line, it's like oh. Just real quick, as I'm looking at the results, I, the men's results, Martin Hare um, finished sixth. And he's a Reebok guy that trains with that group that uh, Justin Knight oh, yeah. is in. I'd love to see what was on his feed on Saturday afternoon. Did Reebok, because I mean, Reebok's got like kind of an interesting mm. super light racing flat slipper. Um, but I wonder if he wore the Nike shoe or not. It's a curiosity. Mm. Anyway, uh, I'll make a note to look at that for later. Um, so who's your second uh, big loser of the day? Um, so, I mean... I guess just all the big name women, like what, you know, and not, I don't know, like again, these aren't, they're not not calling them losers, just saying. They lost a lot. They lost going to the Olympics. They were, you know, the non, the non-sidal Mollies, even (laughs) Des Linden, um, even like. uh, Let's go through the list here. Des Linden, Emily Sisson, Sarah Hall, Molly Hoddle. Who else am I missing here? I mean, they're. Oh, Jordan Hasse. Jordan Hasse, yeah. Like, it was hard. It was a good field, and it was really hard to... I, I didn't really make an attempt to predict. Like, it, it was hard to choose who you would think would win. Like, I, I probably would have picked Deslin just because she's so consistent, and this is sort of, you would think, the kind of race that she would be good at. Um, but, yeah, like, it was just, I guess, surprising that none of the Sally Capiego is not an underdog really but like that none of those you know big names like made it like why and 
I don't know if, if I can do this, but it sort of makes me skip ahead to my my third loser, which was the the U.S. team. Like, so okay, so um, what's her name? I don't forget. I want to say it's the wrong name. Laura Kraus. Lauren Krauss? Lindsay Krauss. Uh, Lindsay Krauss. And she's the one who, she's like the New York Times uh, editor slash marathoner, correct? She's a, a journalist, I think, a journalist, writer, yeah. and, and, also a, anyway. and also a runner of some repute, yeah. Yeah. So she just, she had a tweet that was like, this is why you have the race. But like, no, like this is why you, you try to figure out a different way so that you get the fastest people. I don't know. Because I guess if if there is a Tokyo Marathon, which we haven't even bothered to bring up the fact that maybe there won't even be one, but oh, in the Olympics, um, yeah, yeah, at the Olympics, um, you know, I guess it might be similar to this, and so I guess you might argue that like someone who can have success in the conditions in Atlanta could have success in a championship race, um, and and it's kind of six of one, half dozen the other, because if you're like, well. No, definitely like the person who ran a really fast time in Berlin, that person is definitely better than the person who ran a slightly slower time, but on a slightly more difficult course in like Rotterdam or something like that. Like I get it. Like there is no perfect system. And so sure, throw everybody together on the line and do it. But, you know, in in talking um, our provincial organization about how they do how they fund our like provincial level athletes, right? So there's certain rules about like you have to do this many performances, but like in the marathon, you get one performance to one performance to get you to the trials for the US and one performance at trials. If you're a long jumper, you get like countless attempts to make the Olympics, right? Like you can jump the Olympic standard, you know, in one jump out of like six jumps that you do at a European meet and then you go to the U S trials and you, you know, you have to you know do it there, but you still get your six tries. And then you could also be selected by like, if you're not an American and you, your country doesn't have the depth to just select three from trials, you could, you know, just have like five decent jumps, not make the standard, but be ranked high enough to be selected. Like there's lots of ways in and for every non-marathon event pretty much like you you get lots of tries in the marathon you only get one crack and so yeah i don't know i'm i'm torn like i know that um are we are we having josh on to talk about this (laughs) i know we wanted he wanted to come and talk to us um but like oh josh what's the best way (laughs) yeah Yeah. what's the what's the best way what what's the best way to select i don't know like this was definitely the most exciting way and that's fine. And one might argue the most fair quote unquote way, because everybody has the same, you know, attempt. Um, but is your goal to provide a fair and exciting way for athletes to make the Olympics or is your goal to have the best athletes on your Olympic team? It so, depends what your so goal is. So my argument against that, so we're, we're segueing into your third, which is like yeah, you're yeah, saying sorry. your third loser is the U.S. Olympic marathon yeah. team because yeah. you did not, like, I would, you do not yeah, think like, it is good. I would good. roll the dice with Des Linden over Alphine. Like I said, like I really you know think Alphine is awesome and she did it this day. But if, if I'm going like – 
you know, body of work, Des Linden every time. So the, the, exactly. You know, I, and I Molly mean, Seidel, I, like first one really good, but one marathon, like, how do you know what's going to happen the next time? Like, I, sorry, I'll let you go, but I'm just no, saying no, it's, I, it's I, challenging. I, I don't disagree with you. And I, in fact, I, um, um, full disclosure, I, I was toying with this as my, one of my big losers as well was that I, I think that I would have probably, okay, so if you're, okay, you get this result at the end, the excitement dies down a little bit. And if you're like a dispassionate U.S. Olympic Committee, um, you know, a senior official, mm-hmm. do you think you're, and, 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 for, and for whatever reason you get this choice where you're like, you know what, we get to, we get to X out these results and just pick a team if we don't like what we see here. I would X the results out and pick a team because... I would have gone with one of the, I would have picked the, I don't know, um, any number of, uh, you know, Sis and Sarah Hall, Molly Huddle, uh, Des Linden. Des Linden. Des Linden. Jordan like Hasse, super talented. Um, yeah. You know. You kind of, it's kind of like the way that they did the, the sub two and they picked like Kipchoge, right? Like kind of just consistent greatest of all time. And then maybe he wasn't thought of that. He kind of was though when they picked yeah, him, he was and then of, like he was the, you know the the, the half marathon guy today, say with like so much talent, and then the young guy, like you could kind of do that if you wanted to pick it, like pick Deslin, and she's like the, the just consistent, like you know what you're gonna get. And pick Molly Seidel, she's done one, and it was awesome, like go for it, and then you know pick I don't know like Jordan Hasse because the talent is there, you know I don't know. So it's hard. it's hard. The argument against that is okay. Twenty sixteen U.S. Olympic trials in L.A. Uh, you had uh, the results from the Olympics for the U.S. team. Uh, third place, so you got a medal from yeah. Galen Rupp. Sixth place, Jared Ward. 33rd, Meb. Not bad. You got two yeah. within the top ten. And then you went six, seven, and nine. Uh, mm-hmm. Flanagan, Linden, and, uh, and uh, Amy Craig. Like mm-hmm. then you got three in the top ten on the women's side. I mean that's that's pretty damn good. Although at yeah. the same time, but is that about the depth just generally, or about the selection process? Yeah, like I could mean, the women have had you know like three, four, five if they chose chosen differently? Well, I mean I think that I team mean, was pretty good. But, I think that team was sort yeah. of a, a the dream team to yeah. a certain degree. I'm trying to think of who. I mean, maybe Meb was a little bit of the weak link in that respect just because he was kind of at the tail end of things. But, um, you know, yeah, so I, I, uh, so my, my, uh, third loser is, uh, I'm going to just going to jump right into it here. Is it my third loser? Loser? Yeah. Is, um, uh, the women's coverage of the marathon like f- if you're a fan of the women's race which i assume if you're watching the trials you're excited about both of these races maybe more so about the women's race because it had more depth and more participants this time around and like they just didn't cover it really well like it just drove me nuts that they like did not cover it well and i i of all people am very sympathetic to how the sort of the machinations of a broadcast I've been involved in a major marathon or not a major marathon, but I've been involved in a, a large marathon broadcast for a number of years. So 
Um, excuse me. Um, so I understand that's very hard to catch the brakes. It's very hard to fully cover a race in an intelligent way because there's a lot going on, but they just seem to fuck everything up in the second half of the women's race. And they were like talking, interviewing the men when everything was going down in the women's race. And it was just like, Oh my God, just like cut to the women's race or split screen it. Like this is nuts. Yeah. That's, I mean, it's typical, right? It yeah. kind of always happens that way. Not to say it's typical that the women are always ignored, but I feel like it just never seems to be the way that fan wants to see things. Like, yeah, you want to have interviews and stuff, but like, show us what's going on. Like, and oh, why do they on. choose to cut away? Like, right at the moment when there's some kind of move. Like, I hate it when like you're watching. And then they cut, they cut away and they come back and it's like, there's no pack anymore. And they don't even mention it. They're just like, well, the leader is And you're like, what the hell just happened? And I, I mean, part of the problem is, is like the, one of the, yeah. one of the kind of like dirty secrets of broadcasting is that like, you don't really know much more than what's going on when, than what the viewer is watching. Cause typically mm-hmm. you're just sort of mm-hmm. watching the monitor and calling what you see as well. So yeah, it's hard. Like it's hard you don't on. really understand in some cases uh, especially if they don't have secondary monitors showing you what the other uh, cameras are showing or seeing, you don't really have any idea either. So you're like, you're kind of flying by the seat of your pants and all of a sudden you're like, oh, we're back to the women's race and there's been a huge break. And then it's like, all of a sudden there's only two athletes and it's like, okay. Uh, so I do have a lot of sympathy for the commentators in that context. Um, and I think they get like shit on immensely on twitter and unfairly but at the same time like the producers like come on do uh and you and actually use this as i mean i guess because there'll be a women's and a men's race separately at the the olympics thankfully this won't be an issue but like for any future coverage for nbc for a marathon it's like just split screen the damn thing like at the interview with galen rupp saying about how like much he fucking loves god and you know how he Whoa. how he uh well no i'm like listen, we I'm gotta get god, god. Too, but like well, i got nothing against god but i'm just saying <laughs> i'm just saying it's like a little bit of a rote statement where you're like yeah no, just like i just like all this training and blah 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 and like it's great i mean and you kind of want you want to get the you want to get the um the post game interview, uh, but you it's can a take necessary that. Like, box come on, chip like, off, but chip uh, off, chip off. Hockey Night in Canada interviews are done as soon as they come off the ice, and then they air like ten minutes later. Yeah, they 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 they, they <laughs> delay them exactly. It's like a little <laughs> it's not bit that of hard. not a very complicated thing to like just take yeah. delay it a second. It's not a big deal. Yeah. No one's going to be bothered that you know it wasn't immediate. Um, yeah. So I mean, to be fair, you would have then people going like, "Why aren't you interviewing Galen Rob yet?" <laughs> yeah, I mean, but that that's in the minority by comparison to like, why aren't you showing showing the race, the race yeah. that's still happening instead yeah, of talking yeah. to the person that's already done running the race? So anyway, that's my gripe, uh, and you know how much I love bitching and moaning about uh, about uh, race coverage being done badly um it wasn't yeah. it wasn't terrible but it was like it could have been a little bit better um well it goes back to the fussy bridges stuff too like <laughs> because i think that the there's this like insecurity where it's like okay nbc's gonna let us do it on tv so we can't say anything interesting or controversial 
because then they won't let us do it on TV. Oh, but and then did, we won't get. They, they mm-hmm. did. They did talk about. They had the 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 audacity to talk about the Nike shoe and Alberto Salazar on the broadcast. It was like, oh, I missed that part. I only kind of watched the end. As I said, it's been a, the the weekend has been full of outdoor activities. But uh, I mean, that's good then, I guess. But I just feel like generally that's kind of the thing. Is like nobody says anything really interesting, and and like it's hard too. I mean, let's be honest, like only people who are really into running are going to want to watch video of people running down the street for two hours. Like it's, <laughs> it's only compelling if you know what's going on, which is what makes the announcers, you know, important. And so I, that's also, I think, you know, a, a criticism we've discussed before of how like the commentators always seem to be just sort of talking to the uninitiated and uninitiated, right? Yeah. Initiated. Uninitiated. Yeah. Um, which is like, okay, but like maybe don't be so desperate for new fans in the sport and let's just admit that we're a niche sport and let's just, yeah, you know, into that. Yeah. have, have our own little, little thing here. Like, um, like I was kind of joking, but like this would have been awesome. Right. What I said before about, um, putting a little green glow on all the alpha flies or just do it for all the shoes, you know, like have a shot where like you, you kind of have this, like this. I don't know. I was going to say swoosh, but I guess like assign a color marker to each brand or something. Or yeah, so you get like a just, sense of like the presence or something like that. Yeah. Like have a little auras or something like that, or like a little, like, you know, uh, animated stuff. And I don't know, like you just have fun, have fun is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> and I think that there's not a lot of fun, um, in involved in, in our sport and, and, and racing and things like that. Like, cause it's, uh, I don't know. I mean, to connect it all to the whole, like we, we brought up Galen Rupp's coach and obviously, um, you know, you've been investigating the coach in Canada that's with the whole thing. And it's like, okay, but like, can it also be fun? <laughs> can well, we, it's supposed can to be fun. It's entertaining. At a high level like we're watching a TV show, right? This is a, it's a TV yeah. show. We're watching a three hour TV show. So yeah. make it an entertaining three hours i mean anyway okay so um all things considered i would say the u.s olympic trials the takeaways are super compelling really compelling Mm -hmm. event um Mm -hmm. in spite of nbc's attempt at making it less slightly less compelling it was a very uh compelling race uh really interesting results uh gonna be a fascinating field curious to see Mm -hmm. how these athletes do in the olympics if there is an olympics we hope there's mm. Olympics, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, I think I think my takeaway from this is that Galen Rupp is back, and he's going to be a medal threat at the Olympics, which is kind of fascinating, and I think I think I think adds an incredible amount of value to that Olympic race. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be some um, really interesting underdog stories going into the Olympics that NBC can milk pretty heavily, and also that will like produce uh potentially some really cool top 10 finishes and that sort of thing so i would say i mean and uh, like the overall is like a distance running in america is on fire right now which is great there's like 700 people qualified for this event that's nuts um Mm -hmm. 700 people qualified for the olympics for olympic trials (laughs) for the olympics Olympics. and uh um and obviously the nike shoe and now the the smaller brands response to the nike shoe is creating this very kind of this fascinating uh 
new, uh, brave new world of running. So it'd be, uh, I'm really curious to see where this goes from here. Yeah. I think, you know, my takeaway is it is a bit of, um, you know, kind of jealousy in a way. Um, cause yeah, like American distance running is, is, is thriving and, and, and Canadian distance running is, is doing quite well mm. also. Um, but you know, just, I mean, to be fair, like we're not the same country at all. Um, oh, so tenth the size. So yeah. Yeah. So I mean, we're one tenth the size. So like, what were the standards? Two forty five and two eighteen, I believe, is the men's two eighteen. Yeah. And then on in the half marathon, because you could qualify for the half marathon, yeah. right? Or no, yeah. you could. Or, yes, you could. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, that's how Wamsley got in with the one hundred four, right? So right, right, right. Yeah. So I mean, like there, it there's there's an incredible amount of depth in the U.S. and that's great. And I hopefully it carries on. We'll see what it's like in four years. Like we'll see. In four years, where you gonna, are you going to have 700, 500, 900, 1,000, or, or 200 people competing, right? So it remains yeah. to be seen. Um, yeah. Anyway. Well, I mean, yeah. Like, I'm just trying to, I don't know, we're, we're trying to sum up, but I'm just trying to figure out, like, how many Canadians, you know, were under that. And there's, like, eight eight or not eight men and like something like 15 or so women who've run yeah. the, the qualifying times in Can in Canada in 2018 and, and earlier this year. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, like that's, I mean, one tenth would be 70. So we're still, we're still kind of like a little bit behind, but I think that, um, I mean, if you look at relative to where we, where we were. So I think just to, what I wanted to get at was, and I'll end here is that, um, you know, all the stuff that, that I've been saying about the trials and this sort of thing is like, it, it's kind of moot in Canada because we just don't have the depth to do something like that properly. Um, no. So, I mean, and, you know, I guess we've sort of split the difference by saying, okay, top, top person um, gets one spot. And that, I guess that's, that's a reasonable compromise, you could say. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Anyway, so this was a, I mean, I thoroughly enjoy this race and I, I look forward to it every four years and it definitely, I don't, I think it definitely did not disappoint. I think it was quite, quite exciting. Um, and looking forward to the Olympics. And I think, so John next up, will probably take on, um, probably take on the Boston marathon as our next winners and losers. There might be something that might come up before then, but, uh, until, until next time, uh, thank you very much for joining me. All right. Thanks. All right, I want to thank John LaFranco for joining me for this edition of the Winners and Losers podcast. Make sure, if you haven't already, to subscribe to our podcasts as well as to our newsletter, uh, thexc.substack.com. It's totally free. comes regularly into your inbox. And uh, follow us on social media, on uh, Twitter, Instagram, at thexc.org and on Facebook facebook.com slash thexc.org right, thanks very much for listening <laughs>